Hello everyone and welcome to God in All Things. I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And we are going to be talking about A Man Called Ove today by Frederick Bachman. It's a wonderful novel. Here's the <laughs> lovely cover. We both got it. Um, this is a really good one. We've done a classic. We've done a film. And now we're trying to do a more modern book. And we'll be discussing this one because it is pretty popular. Frederick Bachman himself is a very popular author and also just awesome. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. Let's start with the summary of the book so that if you haven't heard of it, don't know too much about it, you at least have some basis for what we're going to talk about. And then, reminder, we will get into spoilers later. But If you are kind of like, that sounds vaguely familiar, oh, yeah. there is a recent yes. film with Tom Hanks called A Man Called Otto. The book is Swedish and it was Americanized for the film, so they changed the name yes. and, and kind of changed some things. of the yeah. Swedish influences to American mm-hmm. things to make it more relatable to the audience. But uh, but yeah, so it is based on that movie. It's super similar, so if you've seen the movie, you basically have yes. the book. But uh, The movie did a great job. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> the movie did a great job of getting the heart of the book yes so i really like it but there's a lot of great details that are in the book that aren't in the movie for sure but the summary for those who don't know too much about it um this book is about a man called ove look at that um he is a grumpy old man who has recently suffered the loss of his wife people are exhausting and life no longer holds anything for him That is, until a new family moves in next door. Now he can't seem to get a moment's peace, but perhaps that's how things should be. So, yes, the intrigue is there, I'm sure. (laughs) But it is a great book. Um, So, personal experience. This is one that I've wanted to read for years. And I've heard great things about it. Frederick Bachman, in general, I've heard great things about it. And I think this is probably his most popular book. It was also his first, if I'm not mistaken, or one of his first um, I had I ended up reading Beartown first by him, and I love that book um, a lot. And then I read the sequel to that, Us Against You, and also loved that. But I was like, I really need to read A Man Called Ove. My mom had read it for a book group a few years ago and really liked it. And so we had a copy in the house. I just needed to freaking read it. So I did, finally, um, only a few months ago, actually, and really loved it. I still, I will say, I like Beartown better. But I think Frederick Bachman in general just has an incredible ability to capture human beings and humanity yeah. in a way I I don't think I've seen really almost anywhere else. Maybe in some classics, but it's still different. Like, it's definitely a more modern version of it. But he just captures the complexity of human experience. And, like, nobody's a villain in his books. Like, even though Beartown deals with a really horrible subject (laughs) um if you know anything about that one it's a small town and there is unfortunately a sexual assault situation that goes on that's kind of the climax of the book and um but even the perpetrator like it's not it doesn't excuse his actions but it does recognize the humanity in him in a way that's like very respectful to the victim as well as just to people in general and so I, he's incredible. I can't, I don't understand how he does it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I like Fairtown a little bit better, but I think that's just personal taste more than anything. But I did really like A Man Called Ove. And I did like the movie with Tom Hanks as well. I thought it was, like I said, I feel like it captured the heart of the book pretty well. So yeah. Yeah. I uh, didn't know about this book until the movie came out. <laughs> the movie came out. I'm a big Tom Tom Hanks fan and I was like okay Tom Hanks movie I'll go see it like I'm sold you know (laughs) yes um and then 
it might have been you actually who told me that it was a book (laughs) (laughs) probably yeah somehow I found out that it was a book and I was like all right well I'll read the book before I watch the movie I guess right yeah (laughs) and so I didn't watch the movie in theaters like I normally would have um and held off but then still, like, didn't get my hands on a copy of the book until I was on a date, and we were like, let's watch the movie. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm watching the movie. (laughs) Um, And then loved it, and then read the book for this just more recently than Yes, uh, yeah. Very Um, And fell absolutely in love with it. I just love it, and I think it's fantastic. And so far I've loved looking at the differences between the book and the movie i think the movie is a beautiful adaptation i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm so bad with adaptations i am a total like it has to be just like the original or i will get so i'm a purist (laughs) yes i'll get so upset but with this to me it like really captured the purpose of an adaptation Mm because it changed things that make it the same if that makes sense because a book medium meant for a Swedish audience and a movie medium meant for an American audience Mm -hmm. are two different things and they changed things that made it so that it was the same for both cultures and both yeah. mediums. And I just like, I just think that's the same such a thing. cool yeah. concept. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, that's a, that's my limited experience. Yes. I haven't read any Frederick Bachman books, but I would absolutely be down Say, to because do it. it was so great. He's so good. He's amazing. Um, and I do need to read more. He does have the third book in the bear town series that oh. just came out. So I got that one. <laughs> Um, So anyway, we're going to, as far as a gospel principle, we decided to talk about angels being among us because that's very central to a lot of this plot. So I'll let Kariana introduce that topic. Yeah, so uh, let's see. So Elder Holland in his 20, or 20, uh, 2000, (laughs) 2008, back before we used 20, um, (laughs) 2008 general conference talk called The Ministry of Angels. Um, He describes angels as divine messengers who he sends to bless his children, reassure them that heaven was always very close and that his help was always very near. There are myriad examples of angels appearing in the scriptures as well as the modern day. Um, One of my favorite examples is from Elder Anderson's book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. Such a good one. Such a good one. It's such a good book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're good. Um, Yes, recommend that one too. But uh, there's this story about a woman whose husband has committed adultery. And so he's in a membership council and she's waiting outside for him. And she... uh, she sees, she notices in the middle of the meeting that there are like, she's sitting right here. There are these two chairs kind of over here and then one chair right here. Right. And she realizes she suddenly like feels the presence of her grandparents. She feels her grandparents in the two farther chairs and then her great grandmother in the closer chair. And she just feels them so powerful. Like she knew they were there, you know, Mm -hmm. she, she had been praying for help and she knew they were there and she didn't really understand why, because she had never like met or been close to her great-grandmother. Um, but then later she was telling her mom about it, and her mom said that her great-grandmother had been cheated on as well. Oh my and she, and she wow. hadn't even known that. But, <laughs> but her great-grandmother was there comforting her, and she said there reached a point where she just felt they were gone. Like she had been praying for help and comfort, and she knew they were there. And then the presence went away when when she didn't yeah after she had been comforted so it's just you know just one particularly beautiful example that I love 
of uh, of angels, you know, appearing in the modern day to people and being there for us. Yeah. And um, so heavenly angels, we know, are always there to support us, but we also shouldn't minimize the existence of mortal angel- angels either. Elder Holland describes angelic people in our lives who guide and comfort us during some of our most difficult times, just as the Savior was comforted in Gethsemane during one of his darkest hours, which I just love that fact that angels were there to comfort him and they're there to comfort us. And it's just another thing that makes us and the Savior more relatable to each other. I love finding things where Mm -hmm. I can, where I feel like I can relate to Christ. So it's just such another example of just God's love for us. Like Mm -hmm. he's never going to leave us alone. Like we always will have someone. Of course, there's always the spirits that we'd have, but there's also going to be people that are sent. Um, I really do believe that God does send other people, our loved ones to help us. And I love, I love that story because I'm like, I really believe, I guess I'm going to share a little experience because okay. I just feel like it matches that and then we'll get into the book. So I, on my mission, we were reading a an article in the Enzyme, I think it was, the adult magazine from the church. Um, and I, I said I think it was because it might have been the Liahona at that point, but I think it was the Enzyme still. Anyway, um, but we were reading it and there was an article about asking, like having missionaries ask for the ancestors of people to guide us to their descendants. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so we, me and my companion felt like we should do that, and so we did. Well, we got a text, so back then, I don't know how they do it now, it's probably similar, but we had, like, old, like, slide phones when I was Uh out, and um, we would get a text when someone requested a Book of Mormon online, and it would have, like, their information so we could go get them. Because when people request a Book of Mormon online, they don't realize that they're also requesting missionaries. <laughs> we just sneak that in there. Now you um, know, be warned. Just subtle. <laughs> if you don't want missionaries to show up at your doorstep, I mean, they might anyway, but like, don't request a Book of Mormon. Just kidding. You should. It's you a great should. Book. Request a Book of Mormon. And if you say Give you're not chance. interested, they'll, they'll respect that. They might call you one or two more times, but like, they'll move on eventually. Anyway, <laughs> so we started praying for this because we felt like it was really good for our area. And we get this text that was like, this woman requested a Book of Mormon. Here's her address. Here's her phone number. And it was an address that was kind of on the farther reaches of our area. So because we had limited miles with our car, um, we were like, okay, let's start by calling and just like see if they're really interested. So we call. And no one answers. <laughs> we're like, okay, whatever. We'll try again later. So we do try again later, and the person who answered was, like, Asian, which, like, the name was super not Asian. <laughs> so we were a little confused, and then they were like, we're like, oh, is this this person? And they said no. So we were like, okay. And we just, like, got this feeling. We're like, we should just go to the address. Like, we had extra It was the end of the month. We hadn't used many miles, so we're like, let's just go. Um, because we just feel like we need to just one more chance. So we go out there. It was like getting dark by the time we got there. Um, and we went up and before we even got to the door, this woman comes out and she, um, was like, Hey, can I help you? You know? And we're like, well, we just, um, had this, we got like a request for a book of Mormon. She's like, I didn't do that. And then she like looked at us for a second and then started crying. And we were like, what is it and we're like are you okay and she's just like my sister just passed away a few weeks like a month ago and that was when we had gotten the text and she's like I've just been praying for a sign from her that she's aware of me and that 
she's still here and a sign from God that she's still here. And so it was like absolutely bonkers. So we went inside. She didn't end up continuing, at least not with us. I don't know if in the future she ended up meeting with more missionaries, but she, um, she was actually with her girlfriend inside their house. And um, she was, yeah, we just had a nice little chat about her sister and she took the book of Mormon and was like, yeah, I'm going to for sure read this because I feel like you're definitely sent here by my sister to do that and it was just so special like just such a small thing and like just I mean like I said she didn't continue to meet with us but like it was just a little moment of her sister showing like she's she is there it's awesome Um, so they really are and we're able to see that a lot in a man called Ove I don't know Frederick Bachman's religious background I don't know if he'd consider himself religious or not, but I feel like he definitely hints at the idea of people who have passed on working with Ove in his life. For sure. So um, let's start there um, with, I think, I mean, Sonia is the obvious one. His wife, Sonia, um, passed away and he's just heartbroken over her. Oh gosh. He's such a curmudgeon old man and you're like, boy... (laughs) calm down (laughs) there's a scene towards the beginning where he like is in a fight with this other driver and you're like boy calm down you're fine and he like purposely steals a parking spot oh my goodness just such a stinker anyway he's a stinker he's, (laughs) he's a stinker he's also just very like things should go a certain way and when they don't he doesn't like it um And so that's how we're first introduced to him. But it's made very clear very early on that he just really misses his wife. So we start off with him. He his wife has passed away. He also just lost his job, which gave him a lot of purpose. And so like spoiler alert, but he's thinking about committing suicide. Also, um, if you don't want to hear about suicide, that will be discussed a little bit in this. So just be aware, forewarned. Also, if you haven't read it, that is a strong discussion throughout the book. Um, But um, he does want to commit suicide. And every time someone or something seems to thwart him and you just definitely get the feeling that it's his wife. I know. I see a lot. There are definitely times... I think his wife shows up in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Okay, yeah. Um, and one of them that I picked out a lot was his wife showing up just kind of in his head. It was like, it was almost like a still small voice kind of thing where yeah. he could like hear her and he felt her presence and knew she mm-hmm. was there. And it's it's almost humorous at times where he's like, I'll just so there's one where he's uh he wants to jump in front of this train right oh, yeah and he plans it out perfectly so that the driver of the train won't have to see him like explode against the train yeah but then long story short things go wrong he ends up out on the tracks and is like making eye contact with this driver and he's like well you know like I guess that's just how it's gonna be and then it says. So it says, fair enough that Ove no longer wants his life, but the sort of man who ruins someone else's by making eye contact with him seconds before his body is turned into blood paste against said person's windshield, (laughs) Ove is not that sort of man. Neither his dad nor Sonia would ever have forgiven him for that. And so it kind of makes me think, and then like on the same page, some guys are talking to him about being a hero. And uh, one of them says, yeah, you saved their life. And Ove says, his, saved his life. 
Ove corrects and hears Sonia's voice in his own because Sonia was an English teacher and yeah. Ove and she there are moments when like in the flashbacks she mm-hmm. corrects Ove's grammar and so yeah. it's like mm-hmm. him it's it's her presence you know and her kind of inside of him and talking to him and like I saw that in lots of different places yeah and every time almost every time he considers committing suicide or attempts it not only is he interrupted, but he usually has a flashback to his wife. He thinks right. about his wife. And then someone comes and knocks on the door. Or the cat shows up. <laughs> or just all sorts of things. That's another way that I feel like his wife kind of shows up is in the cat. We've kind of sure. talked about that. Just the cat. Let's pull up one of these yeah. moments. Because the cat really is definitely just the personified. Personified? Catified? <laughs> <laughs> the catified, the catified the version of Sonia, physical version of Sonia. So right from the very beginning, when we really like meet the cat, I mean the cat's kind of there, <laughs> pretty early on, just kind of chilling around the house. But it becomes very clear how connected it is to Sonia when he talks about how looking at this small icicle decorated package <laughs> in Parvini's ar- arms. Brings up a flow of memories in Ove's head before he can put a stop to them. Memories of Ernest. Fat, stupid, old Ernest. Mm -hmm. So beloved of Sonia that you could have bounced five kroner coins on her heart whenever she saw him. Which, Ernest is her cat from when she was growing up and he was able to meet Ernest before the cat passed away. Um, And yeah, it was very symbolic of Sonia and her heart. She just loved the thing and so this cat is bringing that back immediately. It's one of the first things he says about it when it's he's actually really interacting with it right. before he's just kind of looking at it or telling it to go away. But now it's in his house. So <laughs> it's a whole new ballgame. Yes. And it's kind of funny, like the transition, because at first he's like, uh, Sonia would have liked this stupid guy. <laughs> and then later he like kind of moves towards like, it was just because Sonia would have liked the cat. Like, I don't care about the cat. It's yeah. just because Sonia like, would have... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you kind of like... You're like, uh, oh, man, I think he's starting yeah, to like the cat. Starting <laughs> to like the cat. <laughs> but it's probably because of that to a point. He probably sees yeah, Sonia. starts and, yeah. and then... For sure. Goes on, for sure. So then the cat kind of becomes almost a conscience for him in the same way that we just described with yeah. Sonia being a conscience mm-hmm. for him. One of... This is kind of a... It's it's kind of a complex story. There's a lot going on, like, yeah. underneath mm-hmm. this story. So um, to try to simplify a little bit, I guess, there's, um, there is this organization that's trying to kind of, well, essentially they're trying to kick this one elderly couple out of their house so that they can, I don't know, like, make more money off of it somehow, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, and Ove, like, people keep like hinting to obey that he should do something about it and he keeps saying like no it's gonna like it's gonna have to go through red tape it's never gonna happen like i'm not worried i'm just gonna kill myself i don't want to deal with this it's not my responsibility right and um so at one point he's like talking to himself slash the cat right Mm -hmm. saying all of this and it says the cat looked at him accusingly and then obey goes through this whole speech like justifying himself (laughs) And then it says, the cat didn't answer. (laughs) And then Ove says, you don't understand. Understand? Ove hissed and turned around. He felt the cat's eyes on his back as he marched inside. Like, it's totally giving all of these Mm -hmm. emotions and, like, things to this cat where it's like, you know that 
it's Ove and his guilt, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> also, though, okay, want to feel a heart wrench that I just thought of when you okay, said that? yes. When it says the cat didn't answer. Oh, I know. So you see where I'm going? <laughs> At the beginning of the oh. book, there's a lot of moments of him talking to Sonia. Before it, it says, reveals, before that, it she's reveals dead. that she's dead. And it just says she didn't answer every time. So, yes, if we thought the cat was symbolic of Sonia, even more now. It's so (laughs) symbolic of Sonia. Yes, that's that's such a good point. Right from the beginning, that, and now the cat is representing that in his life. Also, it's just so cute to think of him with the cat. There's, and like, yeah, talking about him falling in love with the cat, later on when he is at um, the restaurant with, um, oh yeah. Uh, what's his name? Um, Mirsad, I think, mm-hmm. is his name, and his dad. And he's like trying to fix something, the fan heater. Yes. And um, always like, if I fix this, the cat stays because <laughs> Mirsad's dad is gonna toss the cat out. <laughs> he's like, after he said it's not his cat, right? He's, he's like, like, is this your cat? He's like, no. no. <laughs> so then he's like. But if I fix this, then the cat can stay in here. So, <laughs> like, okay, that. okay. Yeah, you don't like the cat. We know. Whatever you You're say. In love with this cat, it's so cute. I'm yes. not even like okay. Full disclosure, I'm not a huge animal lover. I just realized that the cat is not does not have a name. This is just the cat. It is just the cat. Wow. It never gets a name. At and least then its name was Cat Annoyance. And I guess it dropped yeah, the, the cat annoyance. annoyance so. Is now the cat. <laughs> so that's yes. progress. Very good. Um, okay. And then we get to the downer side of just the cat being there. Okay. When Ove dies. Mm. So, very end, um, Parvene goes over. We'll talk about Parvene in a bit, too. She's also very representative of Sonia. Um, Anyway, but um, it talks about how she walks into Ove's room, and Ove looks like he's sleeping very deeply. She has never seen his face look so peaceful. The cat lies at his side with its little head resting carefully resting in the palm of his hand when it sees parvene it slowly slowly stands up as if only then fully accepting what has happened then climbs into her lap which is kind of like it's transitioning from sonia into ove it's mm. becoming ove for parvene right which is just so sweet <laughs> anyway so a uh, beautiful beautiful ending kind of point with the cat of just yeah it's like a transition Mm -hmm. into its next stage of being a representation of a loved one and i just and i think that's just cute with the idea of pets being like symbolic of these spirits of loved ones being with us so anyway that the cat is definitely very big um i also wanted to talk about ove's parents because i feel like they show up in very small moments like sonia's definitely the center of ove's whole life but his parents definitely had an impact on him um yeah even in just that quote that i read earlier it's sonia and his dad never Mm because his dad very much makes up the kind of man that Ove considers himself. Yeah. He wants to be, I think it says, as little unlike his dad as possible. Yes. I love that phrasing. <laughs> and so, so yeah, his dad's influence in his mind is a huge deal when it comes to what kind of man am I and what kind of man would do this action. Yeah, he really, you can tell right from the moment we learn about his dad that he super looks up to his dad. There's this moment where a co-worker at the train station where they work. Um, he is kind of a bad guy. <laughs> He's not a very good guy. He has, like, a difficult life. 
we're told and he has a difficult family situation and stuff but he's a thief and he ends up stealing this um some cash off the ground i believe it's cash they find a little bit um that had been dropped and Ove ends up picking up a big piece, a big bill. I don't remember how much it was, but he picks up this big bill and it's a rule like finders keepers, basically. Um, so he doesn't need to give it to this guy, but this guy starts kind of bullying him to give it to him. And his dad, Ove's dad comes over and is like, you know, what's going on? Finders keepers. Ove gets to decide what to do with it. And um, Ove considers and he ends up turning it in um to the train people i don't even remember receptionist (laughs) i guess um at the desk and he turns it in and his dad asks him why or like i guess ove says i thought about keeping it um and his dad said i know um and ove replies but i knew you would hand it in and i knew a person like tom wouldn't and so just that moment, too, even explicitly, he does say he wants to be like his dad, too. Yeah. But that's a moment that just shows, like, even then he was like, I know I want to be like you. I don't want to be like him. And so we're seeing that throughout the book of him continuing to pursue that quiet, hardworking, but aware, like, observant and caring person. Um, and so beneath all of Ove's tough exterior and not very relatable or comforting personage (laughs) um he is a very caring person which we'll talk about more later but that definitely comes from his dad and then his mom is a little bit smaller of a role because she passed away before Ove was really old enough to remember too much about her and he talks about how he really only remembers the sound of her voice or like I think it's her voice singing, I believe, Mm, is all he really remembers. But I think um, her role comes in, in, like I said, very small ways throughout the book. And one of the most noticeable ones for me was there was a point where Ove's living in this old rundown house that he's been able to get. And he's been working on it, fixing it up. um, And he has this neighbor. Oh, I think every on certain days he feeds the birds. Yes, and every other day. Yes, every other day. And then one day, um, he didn't do it. And so when he came back the next week on that same day, his neighbor was out there feeding the birds and, like, looked at him like, yo, <laughs> this is my this day. Is and day. they, like, don't even say anything. Obey is just like, I get it. I got it. It's great. Oh, yeah. It says, they never spoke to one another, but one morning when the older man stepped onto his front step, Obey was painting his fence. And when he was done with that, he also painted the other side of the fence. The older man didn't say anything about it, but when Ove went past his kitchen window in the evening, they nodded at one another. And the, and the next day, there was a home-baked apple pie on Ove's front step. Ove had not eaten apple homemade apple pie since his mother died. So it's just like his mother sending a little angel. Obviously, it was their whole interaction that caused that to happen, but you get the sense that she was kind of behind that in a way. Why was it apple pie? Exactly. Like, That's very specific. <laughs> the small things. And so just, yeah, you can see these little moments of his mom and other people, um, his loved ones kind of pushing him towards people who can help him yeah. throughout his life. Like early on, it's his parents. And then when Sonia passes away, we're able to see all these people that Sonia's guiding him too after she's died to help him as well one of the things that i love about that too is that so it talks about how after his mom died him and his dad still go to church because Mm -hmm. his mom insisted on it right and it's like neither of them really cared but 
Mm-hmm. Mom used to go to church, and yeah. so dad was like, we're going to church, right? Yeah. And then when his dad died, Ove went to the p- priest or pastor or whatever um, the his title was and said uh, that he wasn't going to be coming to church anymore and explained that it's not because he didn't believe in God, but because he thought God pretty much sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, why, are, why did his dad die, you know? Like, mm-hmm. why is he now an orphan? It was when he was 16, mm-hmm. so he was yeah. left um, on his own at 16. And... Uh, And so that just kind of made me think about how God sends us angels or loved ones or angels for us, Mm -hmm. even when we're unbelieving and maybe even undeserving of it. You know, it's like uh, he got sent Sonia, who he probably would have considered the angel in his life. Right. Absolutely. He does. Yes. And so even though he hates God and as far as he's concerned, he doesn't want anything to do with God or religion in his life those people aren't going to leave him. God is still going to send him Sonia and his mom who was religious and did love God is still going to send him messages and make sure he knows that she's aware of him. Right. And, and I just love that idea that even when we're struggling to the point where it's hard for us to even believe we like, it doesn't mean that it's not real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't mean that God stops caring about us either. Like there's, I love those moments where you realize how unified we really are. Like, regardless of whether you believe in God or not, he's aware of every single person and will give them as many blessings as they're willing to accept. Yeah. Basically, as long as they're willing to listen to something, even if they don't really believe it's God, but they're willing to learn a good Christ-like attribute. Right. They're willing to paint or, the other side of the fence. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're willing to paint the other side of the fence. They're willing to recognize the goodness in another person mm-hmm. that God will send that. And he'll make sure that you get as much, like I said, as you're willing to receive. There's always something for everyone, regardless of where they are on their journey. And it's just so full of hope. We love it. Um, There's actually a really great part of Elder Holland's talk where he's quoting from Doctrine and Covenants. Um, And he says, I ask everyone within the sound of my heart, my voice to take heart, be filled with faith, and remember the Lord has said he would fight our battles, our children's battles, and the battles of our children's children. And what do we do to merit such a defense? We are to search diligently, pray always, and be believing then all things shall work together for our good if we walk uprightly and remember the covenant wherewith we have covenanted. So obviously that's going into even more in depth of things we can do to include that even more in our lives, which I think for Ove was painting the other side of the fence or allowing him to feed the birds on that day. He's doing things that are covenant type behaviors like even though he hasn't technically made those covenants he's still on that same journey that same path Um, and then you know one day if he decided to he could get make those covenants and gain even more from that but um the point is that he is receiving what he's working for basically what he's showing that effort for even if it's not in the same way like a religious person would think about it All right, so like I said, we're going to get back to Parvene because she is very representative of Sonia in his life. She's often the one knocking on the door, interrupting his suicide attempts um, to his great chagrin um, or knocking on the garage door, trying to get him to take her to the hospital because her husband fell off the ladder. (laughs) 
Um, so meeting Parvenet, she comes in. She's the new neighbor. We meet her because her husband is driving a trailer and accidentally backs it into Obey's mailbox. Um, I think in the book it's actually like against the side of his house or something. Yeah, it's like it? into his I'm flower sure. bed. Like it goes. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and so Ove hears the screeching and goes out, and there's Parvenet who's super pregnant and is like, "What the heck are you doing?" Super mad at her husband for hitting it, and he comes out and he's trying to like figure her out. And let's just read part of that because automatically we see why. First of all, she represents Sonia. In certain ways, but also why Sonia would have sent her as a living angel. For him, yes. So yes, the start of chapter three, we're meeting Parvenet. Um, It starts with Ove whips open the green floral curtains, which for many years Ove's wife has been nagging him to change. He sees a short, black-haired, and obviously foreign woman aged about 30. She stands there gesticulating furiously at a similarly aged, oversized, blonde lanky man squeezed into the driver's seat of a ludicrously small Japanese car with a trailer now scraping against the exterior wall of Ove's house Mm -hmm. so yes it's against the house um and when he goes and is like you can't drive your car here what are you doing also why are you hitting my house um Parvenet turns to him and says I'm not driving the car am I and Ove stares silently at her for a few seconds then he turns to her husband (laughs) and you can just imagine that like he just he doesn't really know what to say because he's like, I mean, you're, you're not, not wrong. wrong. <laughs> he's like, okay, fair enough. And then, yeah. But also, I'm just still mad. It's also hilarious watching him with Parvide and her husband, her poor husband, who he's just like, they're both ripping into him. And he's just like the happy-go-lucky guy. Like, he's just like, yeah, you know, like... Just trying to move in. <laughs> it's oh, it all kind good. of kills like, me in this scene because he's like, "Hi, yeah, everything's good, right?" And I'm like, "No, you're literally hitting his house. Are you kidding me right now?" But then you're like, "Okay, I understand why you two work because he's so like not bothered, right?" <laughs> when she glares and yells, and when and... she is bothered, like you can tell he's kind of that calming influence for her, right. which also can match with Ove and Sonia, where. Ove is a little bit more the intense yeah. one, and Sonia's the kind of They're like a free spirit, calm one. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, that's our first introduction. And also, he continuously refers to her as the pregnant one for a little while. Um, and, oh yeah, and then they're mo- mirroring each other's movements. So great. Um, so we have, af- so before Ove takes over the trailer to do it right, um, it says that the pregnant one does not grin. Nor does Ove. She crosses her arms. Ove tucks his hands into his belt. Like they're both like doing the same things. And then finally Ove's like, oh my gosh, get out of the car. I'm gonna do it. And Parvenet's like, see, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> anyway, so we get see very quickly that they're very similar. Parvenet's maybe just a little less grumpy as far as that goes. But they're both very specific about things, how how things should be done, and they're not afraid to get mad at people. <laughs> An interesting thing about Parvenet is that she, you kind of get the feeling that she knows what's going on with Ove from the beginning. Yeah. Like not, I don't know, she wouldn't be able to put the whole thing into words. She doesn't know about his wife from the Mm -hmm. beginning and she she doesn't know everything, probably even at the end, she doesn't know everything. But you kind of get the sense pretty early on that she's like, this guy isn't okay, you know? And she has this like helpful 
attitude towards her, like Obey, right? Again, they're mm-hmm. very, very similar to each other, and she sees somebody who needs help and who she's capable of helping um, in her own way. And so one of my favorite parts with her is that... So she he took her to the hospital for the aforementioned ladder accident yes. <laughs> of her husband. And they get back, and he parks in his garage, um, and they're just kind of talking and saying goodbye. And before she had interrupted, she had knocked on the garage door and interrupted a suicide attempt where he was trying to fill the car in the garage with exhaust and suffocate mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, and so they, they get to the garage, and she gets out of the car, and they're talking, and it says... Parvene looks at Ove, looks at the plastic tube on the floor of his garage, looks at Ove again, a touch worried. I could do with a bit of help taking the ladder away, she says, as if she was in the middle of a much longer thought. Um, And then continues, and I think we have a radiator as well that doesn't work, she adds, a passing thought. Would be nice of you if you could have a look at it. Patrick doesn't know how to do things like that, you know. And then continues on, and you can't let the girls freeze to death tonight, Ove, right? It's quite enough that they had to watch you assault a clown, no? And so it just kind of, you know, she just, uh, she recognizes that Ove has this need to do things right and this need to help people. And she kind of tries to push that onto him to give him a reason, a function, as he puts it. You know, he he says that he likes to have a purpose and be functional. Mm -hmm. And she gives him that functional purpose, helping them. And and then the ch- I think it's the end of the chapter. Yeah, it ends. Tomorrow is as good a day as any to kill oneself because yeah. he figures, well, now I have to do all of yeah. this. <laughs> He's like, well, I can't just let them mess it up. Like, <laughs> he just cannot. <laughs> and it says that um, there would be nagging from his wife if he uh, mm-hmm. if the girls froze and he went into the next life as a child murderer. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's Sonia and there's Parvane kind of keeping him responsible and functional and giving him a reason to stick around working together across the veil yes hand in hand these ladies (laughs) taking care of this guy we love it yeah and even before parvene shows up though we're able to see that his parents were also sending mortal angels to help him throughout his life like we see for example um his co-workers when he's building this house that he's trying to build he has co-workers who teach him how to do it he's working for a construction company and he'll tell them about, like, what he's doing in his house. And they'll be like, you're so stupid. <laughs> and we'll help him out. But it's like, in their way, they are really, they care about him. Like, they recognize in him something good when he's a teenager and in his early 20s. And we see that. We also see for a moment he lives with this old woman. We don't even get her name. But he's living with her for a little bit. He's renting a room from her. And, like, when he first meets Sonia and he's going out on his first date with her, the old woman's like, hey, Ove, flowers are really nice. <laughs> like, he doesn't tell her what he's doing, but she she can just tell. He's, he's all dressed yes. up. He's in a suit. Yes. And she's like, you know, she might like flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so just a little thing, like what a mom would do. Yes. And she's able to be there and do that. And so there's just, like, these little moments where you're like, he does have a lot to deal with with people who are less than helpful or less than kind to a situation but he deals with a lot of people who just help him in little ways the way a father or mother would because yeah his co-workers are acting like a father would and this old woman is acting like a mother would you know something i just thought of with that i hadn't thought about this before but um 
It's a it's an interesting lesson that we can learn maybe from a mistake that he makes with this because I feel like maybe you got a different sense, but uh, I I very much got the sense that those negative influences that he happened across in his life are a big part of the reason why he's so grumpy and mean in general. You know, obviously as actions are mostly very caring but like we have like he's mean to yeah people, right? yes, like yes, ultimately yeah. <laughs> yes um and and you know you have like the insurance the fake insurance mm-hmm. agent and you have tom the bad co-worker and you have like you have these really negative people in his life who i think kind of form this idea that people aren't good mm-hmm. right yeah. um and it's kind of interesting when you start listing all of those good people in his life that he didn't realize that, you yeah. know, he mm-hmm, doesn't realize that there are lots of good people and it can be so easy to just focus on those really negative experiences yeah. and let that kind of form everything and not realize that they're cause this, the good experiences do kind of feel smaller, you know, having yeah. the guys like mm-hmm. give him a toolbox and the old lady, like, let him fix things around her house and tell him to buy flowers. Like those feel yeah. smaller than mm-hmm. being cheated out of a bunch of money for yes. an insurance scam. Or having your house bought out from under you. Yes. But ultimately it's like those things matter just as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, I think it's really important to look for those positives mm-hmm. more than remembering the negatives, you know, hold on to like the good things that happen. Yeah. (laughs) And it is interesting too, that like going back, this is a slight change in the focus, but Mm -hmm. going back to your story at the beginning from um, the divine gift of forgiveness about her great grandmother having experienced the same thing. And so she's the one that comes. Mm -hmm. I was just realizing that each of the people that seem to be sent by these different spirits from his life seem to be, sending people that are like them or play a similar role in his life that they did. So we have like a father figures. Yeah. We have our mother figures. Parvane uh, isn't like a wife. It's not like that. It's not weird, but like still that close woman yeah. figure, that yeah. close female figure who's a bright light in his life. And then she's I was just thinking like a about her. Yeah. She's almost like a daughter yeah, that they is. never had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she is. And then, but even on top of that, his grandkids, like there is kind of that connection to the child that they lost the baby and so they almost like his almost child is also there sending other children to be taken care of by him when he doesn't have anybody to take care of um and so it's interesting like i really do believe that god sends specific angels for specific purposes and so each of us also has the capability to be an angel in someone else's life be- based on what we know and our experiences. They're preparing us to be able to be an angel for someone else, whether in this life or even in the next one, which is kind of very empowering, I would say, <laughs> to think about, to think that there's something or someone you need to, a ro- specific role you have to play in probably a lot of other people's lives based on what you've experienced and it could be someone who is generations away from you yeah. but they still need you that uh that reminds me of a quote from elder holland's talk um that we referenced earlier he says in the process of praying for those angels to attend us may we all try to be a little more angelic ourselves with a kind word a strong arm a declaration of faith and the covenant wherewith we have covenanted 
Perhaps then we can be emissaries from God when someone, perhaps a primary child, referencing a story from earlier in the mm-hmm. talk, is crying darkness, afraid, river, alone. Kind of that, yeah. that same mm-hmm. idea. Like we, we can prepare ourselves and try to become more angelic ourselves to be ready for when that person who needs yeah. us comes along. Someone needs us. It's like um, in another wonderful book slash movie series, um, when people watch Lord of the Rings and they're like, we all need a Sam in our life. <laughs> and you're like, but we all should also be a Sam in other people's yes. lives. You know, we should all seek to be that friend, that angel in someone else's life and then appreciate the angels in our lives as well. Mm-hmm. Like it should go both ways for sure. So that transitions us nicely into Ove and how he's also an angel in other people's lives. Not only is he being blessed by people on both sides of the veil in his life, but he is helping other people. Um, we see that pretty quickly with the way he ends up helping um, the lanky one and the pregnant one, <laughs> or Parvane and her husband, with the car. Of course, part of it is he doesn't want them hitting his house, <laughs> but he still is willing to like do it himself. He's not just going to stand there yelling at, him, at them. He's going to do something about it, help him out. Um, we also are able to see some great re- interactions with Rita and Rune. I think that's very central to his role as an angel, even though there's a lot of other things he does as well that we'll talk about. Um, But early on, so Rita and Rune are a couple who live down, I think it's just a couple houses down, right? I think it's, there's one house in between. Oh yeah, because it's Jimmy's house in between Mm -hmm. and then. Yes. That's right. So he's, they're just two houses down and they, Rita and Sonia have been um, friends for a long time. And Rune and Ove have been friends in their way, I would say. Like, I don't know that they would ever consider themselves friends just by their nature, but they're very similar in their attitudes. And they do get a lot of fulfillment out of their relationship. And then things kind of fall apart. Sadly, mostly they fall apart after the loss of um, Sonia and Ove's child after the accident. Um, and you kind of, it kind of explains later in the book that it's partially because Ove's kind of jealous of Rita and Rune because they end up having a child not long after. And so there's just kind of that jealousy of you have something that I, we desperately wanted and because of this accident we can't anymore. And so that kind of turns into fights about kind of stupid stuff like cars. <laughs> of course, they would say it's not stupid, <laughs> but... It does. It is kind of stupid. Anyway, the cars are kind of interesting, though. If I can share one of my uh, one of my favorite yeah. moments with um, with Ove and Rune and Ove acting as kind of that that ministering angel, mm-hmm. it's a really good like flashback to the apple pie actually, oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. where it goes through all of the cars. The cars are vitally important <laughs> to these men's personalities. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and so, well, uh, maybe it'll be easiest. To, I don't know if it'll be easiest to read it or just summarize, <laughs> honestly. Basically, it starts going through all of the cars that the two men bought and explains how the cars describe what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. in ways yeah. that most of us wouldn't understand, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, but yeah, so, like, they both have these sedan cars, and then once their wives get pregnant, they buy these, um, these station wagons, that's what mm-hmm. it is, yeah, Rune buys a station wagon, Obey buys a hatchback, 
uh, Rune and his wife start talking about having more children. And so Rune buys a bigger car, you know, and so it's like, and it's like all of this back and forth with these cars and things going on. Um, and then no, the Rune and Anita don't have any more children. And then it says one evening, Sonia came home and told Obe that Anita had been to the doctor. And a week later, a Volvo 740 stood parked in Rune's garage, the sedan model. So we get this mm-hmm. implication that Rune and Anita, and Anita have found out they can't have any more kids, right? Mm-hmm. Obe saw it when he washed his... Um, How do you say it? Sayab, Sayab, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> that, one. Sayab, that one. Sayab, <laughs> whatever. Um, in the evening, Rune found a half bottle of whiskey outside his door. They never spoke about it. Mm-hmm. And I just love that story because it's something that where like I would never have seen a car and mm-hmm. recognized a need in yeah. somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and Ove is the kind of man who we wouldn't assume would recognize a need and give a gift like that just based on his outward mm-hmm. appearance. But he understands these cars and he understands Rune and he recognizes that a pain has happened mm-hmm. and does something about it in the same way, you know, just kind of leaving the whiskey there, just like the apple pie was left for him. And I just, I just love Gosh, that. That small act of The amount of times I'm choking my tears in this episode. Sorry, everybody. Um, I'll probably end up crying eventually in this episode. So you're welcome if you're into hearing that. <laughs> if you like the drama of that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I love Ove's relationship with Rune. I think it's so fascinating. Um, because they do have a big falling out um, at one point to where, like, Ove does not talk to him and Rune does not talk back. Sonia and Anita are still friends and they talk up until Sonia passes. But, um, yeah, Ove and Rune refuse to talk anymore. Um, and so because of that, like, Ove has no idea what's going on in that house really anymore. Um, he knows that Rune's had um, Alzheimer's and is dealing with that, but that's pretty much the extent of his awareness. And he talks about, um, there's one point where, I think he's about to attempt suicide, or he was going to. Oh yeah, that's right. He, um, so first of all, Anita asks him for help with a radiator, and Obeis just shows attitude. So Anita just asks for like a part or like a tool or something to see if she could fix it. And um, he's like, okay, here, fine, whatever. And she leaves and he's trying, the point of it and why he's so extra frustrated at the moment is because he's trying to hang himself. (laughs) Sorry to throw these (laughs) phrases around, but that's what he's attempting to do. That's what's going on in this book. Um, And he ends up the, um, the rope breaks. <laughs> and he's like, nobody can even make a good rope anymore. Can't like, get quality so, anything. <laughs> yeah. So he's super upset. So his reaction is to go get his toolbox and go over to Anita and Rude's house and <laughs> fix the radiator. He has um, to be able to do something yes. right. <laughs> uh-huh. So we see, it says, um, oh yeah, he kind of talks about how he has these empty gaps in his life and it is time because his wife used to tell him to go out and get stuff and now she's not there to tell him to go get useless stuff. So he says he goes to the workbench, picks up an adjustable wrench and a little plastic watering can. He walks out, locks the shed, and tugs at the door handle three times. Then goes down the little pathway between the houses, turns off by the last mailbox, and rings a doorbell. Anita opens the door. Ove looks at her without a word, sees Rune sitting there in his wheelchair, vacantly staring out of the window. It seems that's all he's done for these last few years. 
Where have you got the radio radiators then? Mutters Ove. <laughs> Anita smile, smiles a surprised little smile and nods with equally mixed eagerness and confusion. Oh, Ove, that's dreadfully kind of you. It's not too much trouble. Ove steps into the hall without letting her finish what she's saying or, or removing his shoes. Yeah, yeah, this crappy day has already ruined him anyway. <laughs> so he's still Ove. He's always Ove, but I love that his first reaction, and maybe part of it comes from his thoughts about Sonia and about them, because he is thinking about some flashbacks about Rune and Anita. And so his first instinct when he fails to kill himself is to go help his neighbor, <laughs> which is just, I think it shows a lot about his character where he's like, I think a part of him realizes, like, this probably failed for a reason, almost. Like, mm. like there must be a reason Sonia wants me to stay here. Right. And so, and his first thought is, well, I know that they were having a hard time. Anita was needing some help. So that's what I'm just going to go to to fill my useless time. Um, and so I just really love, like, he has this awareness throughout the book of Anita and Rune. And eventually it becomes the main focus of the plot is this relationship with them. It is really cool that his focus is like ministering to Mm -hmm, other people. You know, when I think of functionality and purpose, you know, in my life when I'm like, I feel like I need something fulfilling and something like purposeful to do it. Like a lot of time it's focused on me. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. I need to read more or I need to work on this hobby or I need to work on this aspect of my, um, of my relationship with my savior. You know, it's like always, I need to do this or I need to try this or I need to grow this. And it is really cool that you say, you know, maybe he felt this, that there was a reason for him to still be here and he still has a purpose left. And in his mind, that means doing something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. He, ha- he doesn't have anything to do for himself. You know, he builds himself that house one time. But other than that, he builds bookshelves for Sonia. He builds a baby crib for his baby. Yeah. He bu- he helps his neighbors. He helps strangers. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just, he does things and builds things for other people. And that's what he refers to as having a purpose and being functional. And that's just, I hadn't thought about it like that. It's just yeah. a really, just a beautiful just, thing about yeah. Obey. It's <laughs> kind of an Obey. instinct for him. He's, his instincts are to be kind of rude, but also to help people out yeah. very quickly. Like we're able to see that too, when they go to Spain, <laughs> that's such a great moment. Okay. Let me pull that part up because it's so incredible and just, it's later in the book, so it's a good time where we're starting to really understand Ove a lot better. So, this is a flashback. So, we're seeing him and Sonia, and she's pregnant, and so she's exhausted. So, she's sleeping a lot during on this siestas. Trip. Yes, she's taking siestas. <laughs> she's like, oh, siesta, I'm here for yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> she's down for that. Um, and, well, but Ove's not. He, he's a busybody. <laughs> so, he goes out walking around. And um, the first experience he has is this, he calls him Shos, which is, I'm pretty sure, just the name of his car, because that's who Ove is. Oh, um, I read it as, because um, I read it as Jose with a Spanish accent, oh. as like Chose. Oh. I could be wrong. But... You're probably right. <laughs> For some reason, I was like, oh, his car. It, I mean, it could be a car thing. That would be a very Obey thing to do. Let's <laughs> name him after his car. Yeah, no, it's spelled Jose, but people weren't too particular about pronunciation in Spain. Jose mm-hmm. couldn't speak any Swedish. Oh, so yeah, okay. it's like, it's a Spanish yes. accent. Okay. Thing. For some reason, there was the car he was in, apparently, in my head. That just shows you how much I know about cars. <laughs> Which is zip. Okay, anyway, so apparently it's Jose, 
Anyway, he runs into it's he's the hotel manager. And um the Jose is like, let's I need to go to the hospital, but he doesn't really know English very well. And so or Swedish. Swedish. <laughs> like, oh, I'm reading in English. Yeah. Anyway, Swedish very well. Yeah. Um and he keeps saying hospital. <laughs> oh, he assumes that the car is called a hospital. That's right. And he's like just not understanding. And then um Finally, oh yeah, Obey says, Sayab. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's pointing to the car, he's like, Hospital, hospital. Because there's like this sick yes. woman in the car. <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, I drive a Sayab. <laughs> but no, that's not what's being said. And finally, Obey kind of starts to understand and realizes that the car needs to be taken care of and fixed up. So he goes and just helps him out. And it talks about how the next little bit, um, um, while Sonia's napping. So yeah, it says her daily naps and Obey's walks became a ritual. On the second day, Obey walks past a man putting up a fence and stopped to explain that this was absolutely <laughs> the wrong way to do it. The man couldn't understand a word of what he was saying, so Obey decided in the end that it would be quicker to show him how. On the third day, he built a new exterior wall on a church building with the assistant assistance of the village priest on the fourth day he went with shos or jose (laughs) to a field outside the village where he helped one of jose's friends pull out a a horse that had got stuck in a muddy ditch um and it says yeah many years later it occurred to sonia to ask him all about that (laughs) when ove at last told her she shook her head both long and hard so while i was sleeping you sneaked out and helped people in need and mended their fences (laughs) and he's like yeah so yes we just see that's such a good moment it's so good (laughs) such a good scene and he just doesn't even understand any of it yeah after he takes jose's family to the hospital he keeps every time they get the rest of their meals for free at the hotel (laughs) and neither of them know why Obe is like i don't know why and then jose keeps calling him senor Senor and gives him all his meals for free and then and Obe's just clueless he doesn't even it's so natural yeah, to him yeah it's, it's beautiful so natural to him and i just i love too because that's also moments where we see sonia talk about how that's why she chose him mm-hmm. because a lot of people ask her like why him because sonia's a very bubbly like cheerful person beautiful she's a teacher for like special needs kids basically like kids who have learning problems adhd and other types of things she's dealing with that and they all love her. She teaches them how to read Shakespeare. She's just amazing. Um, and so a lot of people are like, why Ove? He's <laughs> so mean. But it's because she recognizes that, like, he's different. That he is someone that she wants to be with because she knows his heart is very... Like, he naturally does good. He yeah. naturally is a good person. He doesn't have to force himself to do it. And he doesn't understand when other people aren't willing to be helpful and help and kind. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say he's kind. I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. but you know, like service oriented, yes, I guess, like why other voice. people won't <laughs> do things right. Yeah. Um, as he would put it. I love that Sonia is obviously an angel for him and a lot of other people, her students. Um, there's the beautiful story about Jimmy, which we won't go too deep into because I just, but it is sweet where, Jimmy grew up in this house that's in between Anita's and Sonia's and um, his mom was being abused by her boyfriend 
and he was probably being abused some too. And then Rune and Ove go over and Such take down scene. that boyfriend. It's so great. <laughs> they like punch don't him even. Down. It's also when they've had their falling out yeah. that they like just look at each they're other. They're not speaking. Just go right. Like don't even have to talk about it. They both know why they're there and get him out of that house. And he never comes back. And then Anita and Sonia um, really take to the little boy. It says, and we find out it's Jimmy, the neighbor that we've met earlier in the book. So sweet. So Sonia's a great angelic figure, even when she's alive. Um, but Ove also represents that for her in a way that most people want to understand, but we start to understand as readers as we learn more about him and his life. Yeah. They're a beautiful team. It's kind of exemplified yeah. by mm-hmm. that story with Jimmy, um, yeah. but through lots mm-hmm. of other areas too. Like Sonia is very emotional and nurturing mm-hmm. and Ove is very physical and and he's um, a provider for sure yeah and so Mm -hmm. it's like they take care of like the physicality they get the boyfriend out Mm -hmm. of there but then the women go in and like do what else needs to be done because then that the woman and jimmy needed caring for you know and ove and rune wouldn't have been able to provide that for them for sure absolutely not and so but sonia and anita wouldn't have been able to get the boyfriend out of there Mm -hmm. so it's this like really good team effort teamwork, you know yeah. and mm-hmm. so they're to just serve others, yeah. yes they work so wonderfully together and i love the way you put it that they're angels for each other mm-hmm. she's for him and he's for her yeah and you can see that also um another part after the accident sonia is paralyzed from the waist down i believe so she's wheelchair bound and um and at that point they also are no longer able to have children at all they lose the baby in the accident and then um, she's paralyzed, um, super heartbreaking, but he builds a ramp so that she can get to school because the city won't pay for it. So he'll just do it. Um, he recreates their whole house. He has like all the countertops lowered, which is just so cute. It just makes me want to cry. It's, a, it's <laughs> an so awesome loving. scene. Like, yeah, just, he makes his kitchen so that she can get to everything without having any problems within her wheelchair. I mean, it doesn't talk about a ramp to the upstairs, but I'm sure there was something. And it talks um, about her, him carrying her every oh, night. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And she said, it says that up. she nagged him to move their bedroom downstairs, and he refused. Yeah, he just carried he just her up every night. just wanted to carry her up. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> oh, okay. Stop, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just see that a lot. In just his way, he is a very caring person. Um, we're able to see he's also... Um, an angel for Parvenet, speaking of Sonia and Parvenet kind of being two sides of the same coin in some ways. Um, there's a really wonderful scene where he's teaching her how to drive. She's never learned how to drive. And, he, which he's appalled by. <laughs> he's like, what? You've never learned how to drive? How old are you? He's shocked. Um, and that's great when Tom Hanks plays that. Because it's just perfect. Anyway, um, but let's go find his little speech to her. She's freaking out because he's teaching her how to drive a stick. We don't know why. <laughs> well, we know the why. Right way because to that's do it. the right way to do it. <laughs> Um, Which I have to agree. Yes. Hey, I have never learned how to drive stick. I actually would love to, but we can I just do haven't it. had the opportunity. We can do so. it. There you go. Taught lots of people. Um, I got oh, you. Perfect. <laughs> um, so yes, so he's teaching her how to drive stick, and she is freaking out. She starts crying. She's at a stop sign. She almost hits someone in front of her, and she's freaking out. 
And then there this guy behind, behind. Okay, yes, got it. yes. <laughs> this guy behind them in a truck is honking at them because they're not moving because she's freaking out. And so finally, after getting super frustrated, Ove ends up getting out of the car and he's just not having it. So he says he throws the door open, gets out of the car, walks slowly around the SUV and rips the driver's door open. Have you never been a student driver or what? <laughs> the driver doesn't have time to answer. You stupid little Obey roars in the face of the shaven-headed young man with throat tattoos, his fiddle cascading over their seats. The throat tattoo doesn't have time to answer, and Obey doesn't wait for him either. Instead, he grabs the young man by his collar and pulls him up so hard that his body tumbles clumsily out of the car. He's a muscular sword, easily weighing in at 200 pounds, but Obey holds his collar in an immovable steel grip. Evidently, Throat Tattoo is so surprised by the strength in the old man's grip that it doesn't occur to him to put up any resistance. Um, and then Ove ends up saying, if you sound that horn one more time, it'll be the last thing you do on this earth. Got it? And Tattoo, Throat Tattoo, as he's referred to, is Ove's like, names. okay, fair enough. So he, they're all like, okay, good. So Ove goes um, back once he feels like Throat Tattoo is convinced. Um, Ove goes back to the car and talks to Parvene. And I'll let Kariana read what he says because it's genius. Yes. Parvene is shocked. She's like mouth open. She's like, whoa. Okay. And then we have Ove. Now you listen to me, says Ove calmly while he carefully closes the door. You've given birth to two children and quite soon you'll be squeezing out a third. You've come here from a land far away and you'll mo- and most likely you fled war and persecution and all sorts of other nonsense. You've learned a new language and got yourself an education and you're holding together a family of obvious incompetence. And I'll be d- if I've seen you afraid of a single bloody thing in this world before now. Ove rivets his eyes into her. Parvene is still agape. Ove points imperiously at the pedals under her feet. I'm not asking for brain surgery. I'm asking you to drive a car. It's got an accelerator, a brake, and a clutch. Some of the greatest twits in world history have sorted out how it works, and you will as well. And then he utters seven words, which Parvene will always remember as the loveliest compliment he'll ever give her. Because you are not a complete twit. (laughs) Love it so much. (laughs) It's so sweet. Um, in the movie, it's also extra touching because you just see, you're able to see her reaction a yes. little more closer that she's just like, okay, okay, I can do it. Yeah. I, her name's not Parvene in the movie. What is it in the movie? She's Hispanic. Yeah, so like, she's, I don't remember her name, but she has a Hispanic, Hispanic name. name. Anyway, um, so yes, I, that's just such a great scene and just very much showcases um, how Ove is able to help Parvene as well, even though Parvene seems to at first be mostly for him. Um, it definitely goes both ways. Another great moment. I do love this moment. I have to bring it up. Okay. Um, of, par- of him being an angel for Parvene. Um, before we get a little, I would like to return to Anita and Rune and the fallout of the story. Okay. Um, but for Parvene, um, she, so he teaches her to drive, but then later, um, Parvene's at his house and walks past the front room and she sees something in there and like stops and freezes. And he's like, what? And looks in and he is building her a crib for their baby that's coming. And Parvene is very touched by it. Um, and he, I think he's painted it pink, but he's like, if it's a boy, like we can repaint it. But, like, I mean, I guess you can paint it whatever you want because he kind of do those, like, I don't know what people do nowadays, but yeah. he's... That's shit. There is yes. a, there is a, 
a gay he's gay. yeah there's a gay character yes. uh-huh. and so there is a, a, a like mention of Ove and kind of he's like I don't know anything's possible now I guess oh that's fine whatever but um is very touched by that um and that's a really beautiful moment and also I'm connecting back to Mirsad um our gay character Ove's also just very like like he's I said he just like is about doing things right so like to him like what people do with their life he does not care (laughs) as long as they're not getting in his way or being idiots you know like he'll help them out but he is also an angel for well first of all one of Sonia's own students who she was an angel for and then I believe his name's Adrian, if I remember correctly. Yes. Adrian. And Adrian ends up coming in and is like, oh, yeah, your wife was my teacher. I loved her. She made a real difference in my life. Um, so he acts as an angel for Ove after Sonia acted as an angel for him. Kind of that awareness yes, thing. Like exactly. Sonia is aware of him. Um, and then Ove ends up helping him fix his girlfriend to be's car or bike that's what it was well the girl adrian has a crush on yes. her bike is in need of fixing and he offered to fix it without knowing how to fix a bike <laughs> classic teenage boy move and um Ove's like fine i'll just show you how to do it so he goes to the restaurant and there that's where we meet miss mirsad who is gay and his father is a very intense um i believe he's muslim is that right i believe so i believe so and he's very intense and Mirsad hasn't told him that he's gay. And so, and when he does, um, the dad kicks him out. And Ove lets him stay the night. He's very grumpy about it. But I do think it's sweet that Adrian's first instinct is to go to Ove. Yeah, you like, kind of have to wonder why. Like, Ove must give something mm-hmm. off that yeah. tells him that this is a safe place. The more he gets to know him, I think between the bike and just watching how he interacted with them yeah. at the restaurant. And probably knowing Sonia as yeah. well. Uh-huh. <laughs> she married him for probably, a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he just has this feeling like that's where we should go. And it's like the middle of the night. Once again, Ove's about to kill himself. <laughs> And it's even great because he's planning to shoot himself with a rifle and he doesn't want to create a mess with his clothes. So he's naked. Well, he has an underwear on, but that's it. And then they come knocking on the door and they knock a few times and finally he's like, what the heck? So he like, takes the rifle. He's in his underwear. Goes to the door and busts it open. He's like, there's like several times in this book he almost hits someone with his door, busting it open. And he does once hit. Oh, Parvenay, yeah, that's right. And Parvenay. Parvenay asks for help, and he goes, Well, I can't go into the other world giving a pregnant woman a bloody nose. <laughs> My wife will never stop nagging me. <laughs> She'll never forgive me for that. So, so great. Anyway, so he's out there. They're like, What the heck? These teenage boys on his doorstep. Um, and, like, Ove's a little confused about it. Um, but, like, pretty quickly, he's like, Okay, fine. <laughs> you can stay. And then he actually ends up in a lot of ways being an angel for the father by kind of going to him and basically like making it so the father feels like he can accept his son back. Because I think like sometimes, you know, we have our beliefs and we should hold on to them. But a lot of the times it has more to do with how we're choosing to choose our to live our lives and less necessarily with how we treat like 
how we treat other people's decisions, right. if you know what I mean. And so I feel like sometimes it gets hard to balance that, where you're like, I believe a certain way, but like I love this person. Kind of going back to giving yeah. charity, like in Pride exactly. and Prejudice, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We have to we have to love and respect people even when their values and beliefs are different mm-hmm. from our own. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes especially when they're different because... That's when it's harder. That's when it's harder, <laughs> and you need to put more effort into it. And so um, I feel like Ove is able to show him another way and like almost give him permission to bring his son back because you can tell he misses his son. Yeah, like, if I just, just read the quote really yeah, fast. Absolutely. So he, um, Ove goes to, is he just in, yeah, he's in the restaurant where... I don't know if we made it clear for people who don't know the book very well, but oh, yeah. the dad, Amel, and the son, Mirsad, are like the owners and runners of yes. this restaurant. It's like they're a cafe, going to. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it says, his stocky body, the dad, um, has sunk into itself as if at the end of a very long breath. His face bears that combination of deep sorrow and, it, and inconsolable anger, which only men of his generation and from his part of the world seem capable of mastering. So it's just kind of... You know, like, he's trying to hold on to this, but he loves his son, Mm -hmm. and he misses him, and he wants him back. And Mm -hmm. I love the way you phrase that Ove almost gives him permission. They don't go into the conversation. It's less than a page long, Mm -hmm. but it's just, you know, Ove shows up. They both know what he's there for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, that's all he needed was someone to give him that little push. And he was ready to move on and just find a new way to love his son, which is just a special thing and it ends this is another thought that's just popping into my head but the the chapter ends it is difficult to admit that one is wrong particularly when one has been wrong for a very long time mm-hmm. and i feel like that's something that ove could probably relate to really well yeah i feel like ove is one who could have this conversation really really well because he recognizes that he he knows that he thinks things should be done a right way yeah and i think mm-hmm. the idea of one of those things being challenged and him having to flip that entirely on its head, he'd be like, whoa, (laughs) that would be really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what this guy has to do right now. So Mm -hmm. I feel like he can connect to him on that level. Yeah, absolutely. That's really true. So he's the perfect one to be sent to. And it's this beautiful, it's all through Sonia. Mm -hmm. Sonia taught Adrian and Adrian knows Mirsad and then, Mirsad goes to Ove, and now Ove goes to Amel, and it's just, oh, yes, it's just... this very well-orchestrated plan. It's almost like God knows it's what he's doing. almost like <laughs> we're all put yes. in the right place. At the right time. <laughs> yes. Um, meet the right people. And um, he prepares us to be who we need to be to help those people. I just, oh, I love it. Love we it. love so angels much. among us. Yes, it's so amazing. Um... I did want to, like I said, I did want to go to back to Anita and Rune yes. because they're, that's the climax, really, of the story is, we, like we t- discussed earlier, Anita is um, going to have Rune taken away from her. He is very ill with Alzheimer's, and I'm not sure, I'm assuming it's just a part of the Swedish system of doing stuff that um, somehow... They there's a company or a government system that's put in place where they can go in and decide if an elderly person, in this case, um, is being well taken care of or if they need to be taken out of that situation. I'm assuming it must be something kind of like 
almost like child protective services, but yeah. like for people with special needs. They do that? mention that Anita like called for some sort of investigation mm-hmm. to yeah. like get extra help. And then in the investigation, yes. they decided that Rune couldn't stay yeah. there. And then she was like, well, I don't want the extra help anymore. And they yeah. were like, well, it's too late. Yeah. So something, so, yeah. so some sort of Little something where me. she invites it in to make sure that, you know, she can take care of her own, but instead of giving her help, they just say, well, we're just going to take it away, away. Yeah. which is not what she wanted. Um, <laughs> She's like, so, well, never mind. Get yes, out of here. <laughs> it's a little bit messy. Um, if you know anything about that and you're watching on YouTube, especially feel free to <laughs> yes. comment down below and let, let us, us know how that works because yeah, I'm not quite sure what all that all means, but I should also mention this man that's taking Rune away. <laughs> Ove seen him a couple times in the neighborhood and he didn't like him immediately because he was driving his car where he wasn't supposed to. And so there's already bad blood. And um, earlier than this, there's this wonderful moment where he has um, Patrick go and get his friend's trailer again that had hit the side of Ove's house. And he ends up putting it right in the road where it blocks the other guy (laughs) from getting out in his car. Um, and he's super pissed, but he's like, well, you're not supposed to drive cars here anyway, so that happens. So this man's pissed at Ove, but he's coming to take Rune away, and Ove's finally been like, okay, we're doing something about this. He's kind of been ignoring it, and he didn't quite realize how long it's been going on, because he ends up saying to Jimmy, the neighbor, he's like, you know, oh, they'll need to go through all this red tape, it will take ages before they're even able to take Rune, like it will be fine in the end. Like, we don't need to worry about it too much. And then Jimmy ends up telling him that it has already been a few years. And so now is the time that it's happening. And Ove kind of realizes that he's been so stuck in his own world that he's missed this really tragic and critical thing that's happening to his friends. And so he creates this whole plan with his neighbors, with Parvane and Patrick. We also have um, Anita is in on it. And then Adrian and... There's a man who lives across the street. I can't remember his name. He has kind of a trash girlfriend. Anders. Anders. I was like, I know it starts with an A like Adrian, but it's not Adrian because that's the kid. Anyway, so Anders, they get him involved because he's actually working for a company that basically digs up dirt on people. (laughs) It sounds like. So that's what he does. So he ends up, Anders ends up digging up dirt on this company and on this man um and this man like anita's fighting with him and is like no you can't take him um he ends up saying who's going to take care of him anita and anita steps forward and says i'm going to take care of him and then we see um the shadow rising up behind anita and it's ove and he says and so will i and parvane will and patrick and jimmy and anders and adrian and Mursad are all there and i'll say i'll take care of him too um and then we have the reporter come in <laughs> who's been bothering Ove about the... It was the train track incident. Yes. He When he everything happened, he saved a man who had fallen on the tracks. Which is why he was on the tracks too early when he wasn't supposed to yes. be. <laughs> so backtracking a little bit. Yes, he, yes, was on he the saved tracks. a man's life, yes. just casually. <laughs> By the way, he did save a man's life. That's why he was on the tracks. Um, and, I mean, he was going to jump on it anyway. But yes. he ended up there because um, he saved a man's life and this woman wanted to get an interview with him 
but he's okay, so he was not having that. <laughs> um, but he's like, fine, I'll do an interview with you if you'll do this. So she comes in and basically threatens him with the blackmail that Anders dug up. And so they end up leaving. Um, and then we have this really sweet scene that just, uh, the way, like, this is one scene that I feel like in the movie I wish they had done it. Hmm. A little bit more like it's in the book. Okay. I don't know exactly how they could have done it, but I do love the way it's written in the book. So I'm just going to read it. So um, Ove ends up staying behind. Anita and the others are kind of talking out front, and Ove's there. And it says, When Ove leaves the house an hour later, he's been sitting in the living room, talking quietly and one to one with Rune for a long time. Because he and Rune needed to talk without disruption, Ove explained irritably before he drove Parvane, Anita, and Patrick into the kitchen. And if Anita hadn't known better, she would have sworn that in the minutes that followed, she heard Rune laughing out loud several times. Which, he's at the point in Alzheimer's where he's just blank. Like, there's nothing there. And so, just that moment of, like... Ove talking to his friend. See, I told you I was going to cry. <laughs> this whole book made me cry. Um, anyway, but, um, yeah, he takes this moment to bring, like, joy, I guess, to this man's life, even though he probably doesn't understand most of what he's saying. But clearly there was something there because he made some sort of sounds, yeah. whether it was actually a laugh or whether Anita made it into that, um, just knowing him. I don't know, but clearly there, that was something Rune needed and probably something Ove needed as well to have a discussion after all those years of not treating each other very well, even though they were underneath it all still best friends. And it's interesting, too, like seeing these really beautiful moments in the second half of the book, especially because I feel like he's not doing it because he's thinking about Sonia. Like, he's doing it almost because he's at some point remembered who he was before Sonia's passing and what his values are and that they went beyond just knowing Sonia and his relationship with her, but also they were part of him the whole time he just had forgotten for a little bit within his grief. Yeah, because we see over and over again him saying, you know, Sonia, my wife will nag me if I go mm-hmm. in an afterlife like this. Or Sonia, his voice was in his head and all that stuff. But then we reach a point about a little over halfway through the book um, where the first time that he kind of does something like not in the mo- in the modern day, not in our flashback, the first time he like reaches out to help people, he's outside shoveling snow and he shovels the snow outside of his house and then it says when he's done with that he stands outside his shed leaning on his snow shovel looking at the line of row houses then he crosses the road and starts clearing snow in front of the other houses and it's just such this simple simple line but it's this turning moment where he realizes that he can have a function and a purpose without her yes he can still do good without her and I really like to that just showcases Frederick Bachman's amazing writing too where he just really captures the humanity of like that's such a simple sentence yeah. but you realize very quickly how much of a turning point that is for him so much and how him. like it's taking him from his focus on wanting to kill himself and join his wife to a focus on others and wanting to help and yeah finding that purpose again and finding himself again yeah. and his values and I just, I love the way Frederick Bachman does it because it's really just such, 
these simple things, but us being human, we understand exactly what he's getting at yeah. without him putting it into words. Mm-hmm. And so it's beautifully done. And that transition really impacts Ove for the rest of his life where we hear that he, you know, he's been with Parvene. He treats Parvene's children as his grandkids. They call him grandpa. It's so cute. Um, they talk about how the youngest colors him in color, whereas he, she colors everyone else in grays because he's the funniest thing in her life. And Sonia, he yeah. describes Sonia. Yes, his color. Yeah, now he's her color. Yes, it's just so good, so beautiful. Um, and I, then oh, go ahead. Yeah, before I, I just love to. You mentioned that like like well, we both mentioned is this is a turning point, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still not. He still has another. Su- I think he has a whole other suicide attempt left. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. still yeah, he still has his last suicide attempt left. It's still hard on him, Mm -hmm. you know, like he has this turning point and he's realizing these things and he's changing, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and remembering himself. But like, that doesn't mean that it all goes away. You know, he's still hurting so bad and he misses Sonia so bad and he wants to be with her. And so I just like that. It's kind of like the journey isn't over till it's over. You know, he still has to struggle, but he finds people to help him through it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what I love. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Is his last um, suicide attempt the rifle or is it the pills? Because I feel like I mean both of those situations feel different from the previous suicide attempts. Like his heart's not fully in it anymore. It feels mm-hmm. like like the rifle maybe a little bit more, but the pills he kind of just looks at them and then and then the cat looks at him and he dumps them down the drain. <laughs> like it's very like his heart's just not really in it anymore. I yeah, want to say the pills is the last one. That feels right. I could be wrong, and I apologize if I am, but it, it's definitely one of the last ones. And so at that point, you kind of get the feeling that he he still thinks about it because, yeah, it's still hard for him. Like, he still misses his wife, and he also is a very stubborn person. <laughs> so part of him is probably like, well, I made this decision. Like, I should follow through with it. But it's not really like he really wants it anymore. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness he doesn't because he is able to touch a lot of people's lives. Like, God definitely needed him to be here and to continue to touch people. And we see right at the end that definitely was not wasted that time. Um, so after Parvene ends up finding him, um, he's passed away. She, he writes to her. He basically leaves everything to her and her family and talks about how she's just a wonderful person. They all live around each other. Mursad, Jimmy, um, they end up getting married. Adrian, Anders is there. Anders ends up with the reporter. So everybody's happy. And um, we have, yes, he passes away. Parvene reads his letter to her. Um, about all of his expectations of what he wants to happen, what he's left for her and her kids. And then it ends with more than 300 people came to the funeral. After he said that he basically didn't want one. (laughs) Yes, after he said he didn't want one, Parvene's like, that's hilarious. I'm definitely throwing one. (laughs) Yes, so 300, more than 300 people come to this grumpy old man's funeral who seems so awful, but everybody learns who he really is. And even better, Parvene ends up um, creating a Sonia's Fund charity. Um, and it's specifically for 
gosh, I'm not going to cry again. Um, uh, she decided to use most of Obey's money for a charity fund for orphan children, which is what he was. So she is carrying on his legacy of giving to people and um, paying it forward. And then we were able to see that his house was bought by a couple very like him and Sonia, which is just sweet. We see um, that this young woman, she's pregnant and she's just in love with this house. She's like, this is the one like Parvane can tell she loves it. And her husband is much less pleased with the place. He mostly goes around kicking the baseboard suspiciously and looking annoyed, <laughs> which is very like Ove. Um, and Parvane knows that it doesn't make any difference. She can see in the girl's eyes that the decision has already been made. But when the young man asks in a sullen tone about their garage place mentioned in the ad, Parvane looks him up and down carefully, nods dryly, and asks what car he drives. The young man straightens up for the first time, smiles an almost ind- undetectable smile, and looks her right in the eye with the sort of indomitable pride that only one word can convey say up <laughs> so we see that line continue in this house a house of love and just people who maybe are opposites but who come together and act as angels for each other and it's just beautiful it's a beautiful way to end it to show how much Ove has grown throughout just this book um, throughout his life but then specifically after Sonia's death and then we're able to see how all of these other angels continue to be angels for other people after he's gone as well. So just to wrap up that beautiful, you know, beautiful summary of the book with a with a beautiful quote from Elder Holland. He says, my beloved brothers and sisters, I testify of angels, both the heavenly and the mortal kind. In doing so, I am testifying that God never leaves us alone, never leaves us unaided in the challenges that we face. Amen. We Amen. love that. No <laughs> more to be said. Um, we hope that this will inspire you to think of angels in your life, um, as well as how you can be an angel for someone in your life who maybe needs it right now. Um, I truly believe that God will inspire you to know what to do to be that angel if you just ask him. So thank you for listening. This was a great discussion as ever. Third episode. Well done. (laughs) Um, And yeah, we'll see you next time. Keep remembering to see God in all things. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.